Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, June 1st. Holy crap, it's June. We're busting out all over 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm excited, and I'm Grace Aki. <laughs> you are excited? Yeah. You're excited about it being June? I'm excited about being June. We just had like a three-day weekend, and Matt and I just discussing like, I have been so productive today. I got up mm-hmm. early, made a toast, did like some errands, got to work. Like, I've been so productive. Took my lunch, went to the gym. Like, I'm sorry, today weekend but you're out and three-day weekend is in i agree like i I feel like if we can do anything in this world as a podcast we need to champion the charge to a four-day work week like that's our that's our life mission okay Uh, great yep um you i know that we've had a today on broadway episode since then but i wasn't here for that one but i do want to mention that jennifer McHugh and i had a new episode of this week in theater come out in today on broadway's space on monday because it was a holiday jennifer talked about the show that you know very well the new karate kid musical premiering Mm -hmm. at stages st louis she spoke with the Stage of St. Louis associate producer um, who had a lot of great things to talk about, not only Aww. the show and the choreography and the whole process itself. Uh, and then I also spoke with Matt Gould, the uh, composer yes. behind Limpica, which is getting ready to start performances in less than two weeks or about two Aww. weeks, for, depending on when you're listening to this, um, out of the La Jolla Playhouse. So we had some great conversations about two shows that are very much looking forward to coming to Broadway. And then Jen gave some reviews of some things she saw out in California. We we talked about some theater-related documentaries, a very non-related yeah. to theater uh, TV show. So listen to that in the podcast feed. We would appreciate it. Of course, you could hear it first in Patreon if you are a subscriber over at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. All right, Grace, let's get into the news. And we're going to start with the Theater World Awards making what I would call an interesting and perhaps dubious decision here that we can get into. But the Theater World Awards announced that they would be presenting a special Outstanding Ensemble Award uh, mm. to to the 21 cast members making their Broadway debut in the revival of The Music Man. Now, why this makes sense for the Theater World Awards is because they traditionally honor only people making either their Broadway or their off-Broadway debuts. So them picking out a show that has 21 Broadway debuts, of course, obviously many of them are children because there is a large number of kids in the ensemble of Music Man. I don't have any problem with that per se. Um, What I am interested in, though, is the fact that There's a lot of shows with a lot of newcomers to Broadway that have great ensembles this year. Um, And this is not something that they do on a regular basis with this Outstanding Ensemble Award. And so I'm interested as to why this show, this ensemble, uh, and and why that decision was made. So... um, Maybe it could just be to celebrate that show and get some of the folks that are there, uh, part of that show, to show up maybe. But it seems interesting when you have a show like Six, which is not made up of mm-hmm. all Broadway debuts, but is a show that is made up of a bunch of Broadway debuts or A Strange Loop that has a bunch of Broadway debuts in it. So it was just an interesting thing to where there's a bunch of shows that are completely ensemble based as opposed to just an ensemble with a bunch of young people. I don't remember them doing this when like bring it on. The musical had like basically their entire cast making Broadway debuts. So I don't know. It seemed curious to me, uh, despite the fact that I am pro 
outstanding and best ensemble awards in every theater awards giving organization. Huh. I feel like earlier you were about to quote Legally Blonde the film and you were like, why this? Why that? And I said, why now? Why this sperm? Yeah, there you go. So you were close. I I am neither gay or European, but either way, that's fine too. So it just feels like an odd choice. If you're going to do an ensemble award, why this show? Is it just the the large number of Broadway yeah, debuts. It was pretty historic. Like I remember watching the video of of them kind of like announcing outside the marquee uh, of the theater, like at the Winter Garden, all these Broadway debuts, and it was really special. And like especially coming out of the pandemic, they they made a big deal of it. So it's it's no surprise to me actually that they would honor it in this way because of what you just said. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally get it. I think it's sweet. Yeah, okay. Um, I will just say Bring It On has the the record with 32 of its... Holy uh, crap, really? Yeah, yeah, 32 Broadway debuts according to a Playbill article. So just saying. Anyway. Uh, all right, so let's move on to another story that is sure to inspire probably even more warranted consternation as reviews have started to come in, speaking of Legally Blonde, of the Regent's Park open-air theater production of the show directed by... Again, mentioning six, uh, six co-writer and director Lucy Moss. Um, the reviews came out. The show began performances on May 13th and will run through July 2nd. And because the show features um, a much more diverse group than the, perhaps the original production did, not only including people of color, uh, including non-binary and uh, gender non-conforming cast members, the actress playing Elle Woods, who is a alum of six in London. Courtney mm-hmm. Bowman is considered a, I guess, I don't know if there's a more correct way to say this, a plus size actress. And that has been a part of their marketing for this show. And it has been something that a lot of people have championed. However, there have been a number of reviews that have not been as celebratory of that as many people would like, particularly the review in the Times of London by Quentin Letts. And I'm not going to share any of Quentin's specific quotes, but I did read it and it was pretty obviously, you know, participating in body shaming and some transphobic uh, comments as well. In response, the Open Air Theater tweeted out a, uh, a statement saying, quote, We are extremely proud of our visionary Legally Blonde and celebrate each and every member of the company. We're thrilled with the response to the production from audiences and and reviewers alike. However, are disappointed by the insensitive language of one review. We expect that everyone comments with respect and sensitivity, and those who decide not to will no longer be invited back to our theater. Um, Yes, to this. I don't (laughs) think that we should ever you know penalize reviewers for not liking a show oh no uh, this had nothing to do with his uh likeness to the material or that production it had everything to do with uh the controversy of like picking a a cast that looks and is different than what you're used to it was just really insensitive so you're right it had nothing to do with whether or not this guy liked the show um all of his comments that were uh really embarrassing were about the literal visual optics in a sense of yeah, the show, like, which is gross. And like, and he used that to like carry forward the body shaming into like right. other things like, Oh, the, the stage just couldn't bear the weight of all these changes. Like Ugh. really dude, like just stop. And let's be honest though. I, I will retract what I just said a minute ago about 
not punishing critics who don't <laughs> like a show. If you don't like Legally Blonde and you're a critic, I think you should be punished. That is my personal well, that's, take. Well, that is your very personal take, that, that, that you do love take. the show. <laughs> I do love the show, and I am excited to see it with uh, TikTok celebrity uh, Tori Vagary uh, yeah. at the Titusville Playhouse this weekend. Um, but it, it just... And at the Muni? Are you going to see it at the Muni? I am. I have flights <gasps> and and everything already booked. I'm just anxiously waiting for them to release a cast, which you and I yes, have discussed yes. offline, and we, we don't know who it's going to be, but we have theories on why it hasn't been announced. But anyway, um, I'm just, I, it's just like, I'm so tired of this, Grace. Like, yeah. why are we still dealing with this? Why are... Uh, you know, publications still employing people who think this is okay and not just the critic himself or I guess potentially herself, but like the gatekeepers and reviewers who have to read and approve this before it goes to print. Like why, how does this get through multiple levels of editing and proofing to be able to go, you know, either to print or to be published online? It just feels like such a systemic failure well, and it is, you, you know, and I hate to say that, but because it just it's exhausting, but it, it's true. I mean, the system was that especially every system ever, let's be frank, but journalism in particular, um, especially in the artistic community, has always been gatekept by like cis white men. You know what I mean? So um, it's a, it's a system that upholds the same crap because you're right it has to go through levels and you know generally speaking who everybody is at those levels aren't concerned with a lot of the things that we just brought up about why that review is really insensitive so um yeah i agree with you i think but it also has to it takes a village like it takes literally just the breaking down of these systems and these like you said gatekeepy things to make sure that you are getting a nuanced take and that you have different uh writers writers of color people that conform to any kind of gender um, expression that they want but it only happens if if each level of because if if everybody at the top is the same, but then you hire, like you're like diversity hiring on the bottom, nothing really changes. So you could hire two reviewers, um, you know, that aren't the same as the what you've had before. But if you don't change any of the, like the, the editing staff, the you know, higher up and higher up, then none, nothing really does move. Yeah. And, and this is true for people inside theater as well. You can make all of the yeah. uh, people of color hires and, you know, the you know different hires at, at different levels. If the people producing shows and running arts organizations and running nonprofits um, aren't also equally diverse, then it's never going to get the, the complete desired outcome. And it just really shocks me that in today's day and age that even if you don't actually care if a critic makes comments like this, do you not care for the optics that will come back as a blowback? Like, if, is that not like, that's what kind of shocks me. Like if, if you can't even recognize that this could look bad for your publication, like how are you doing your job? But anyway, moving on, let's talk about some more news. If you couldn't tell, it's a little bit of a slow news day. So we could get uh, a little bit on our high horses there, but let's talk about some news right before we started recording MCC theater announced that they would be adding another performance of which way to the stage during its final week. The show will now play through June 5th at seven. 7 p.m. They have added a second show uh, on Sunday so that people can have as many opportunities to see this absolutely wonderfully hilarious, but also really smart and insightful show. I recommend you see that. 
Also, just a few hours after we finish recording here, the great two-time, two-time Tony winner Christian Bohr returns to the cast of Off-Broadway's Little Shop of Horrors. He took a leave of absence, which we originally assumed would be to do Into the Woods at Encores um, from Mm -hmm. May 3rd through the 29th. Um, That was not the case, as we know. And then I had my moment of Bohr leaving and thought he would be joining the production uh, for Broadway that... It is also not the case, but he is back as Oren Scrivello DDS at all in that production for for the foreseeable future, I guess, until he has to go leave to do stuff for Some Like It Hot. But good for him. I've seen him in the show, in the show twice. He's great. Would love to see his baker someday, but who knows? Oh, oh wouldn't we all? Yes, we, we tried. Twice. We did try. We did try. All right, let's real quick talk about some things that are happening for theater folks outside of theater. Yesterday, Deadline exclusively reported that the great Adrian Warren has been cast as the lead in the new Hulu drama series Black Cake. This is actually based on a book that I have that is sitting on my bookshelf that I need to uh, to read. It's a multi generational uh, story about murder that spans decades and takes place in Jamaica, Rome, Scotland, England, and Southern California. Warren's character is kind of estranged from her family and the death of her mother brings her back with some shocking secrets. So that should be a lot of fun to watch that. And also um, Variety reported that I guess we can consider her one of ours. She's never been on Broadway stage, but Rachel Zegler is set to star in the new Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. She set off speculation on Monday when she tweeted a very bizarre tweet that I actually saw and had no idea if I was missing something. But the tweet said, listen up, can y'all grow restfully? Are you becoming an individual resting decisively? I had no idea what that meant. And apparently it doesn't really mean much of anything, but... Some folks on Twitter noticed that the first letter of every word in that sp- in that tweet spells Lucy Graybeard, who is the main character of the 2020 novel, which is a prequel to the Hunger Games books. Uh, Suzanne Collins returned to that world and people figured out that she would be starring in this movie, which is set to come out in 2023. All right, so let's wrap up with some feel-good recommendations. If you did not hear, Disney Plus will be having its Disney Plus Day on September 8th. And in conjunction with that, they released a teaser trailer for the upcoming live-action version of Pinocchio, which will star Tom Hanks, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Keegan-Michael Key, Lorraine Bracco, Luke Evans, and more. But this trailer features Broadway's own Cynthia Erivo as the Blue Fairy singing When You Wish Upon a Star. Um, So that's a lot of fun. So check that out in the show notes. And then we've mentioned six a couple times here. Theater Mania and its London-based sister site, What's On Stage, brought together the two queens of the different productions of six that are playing Anne Boleyn, uh, Amanda Lindgren in London, and Andrea McCassiet in New York. And they had like a nice 15, 20-minute conversation about the role, about the show, about their processes, about all things Anne Boleyn. It's a really cool thing to uh, see these two get to chat. It seems like, from what I understood, they they hadn't chatted before, so... Um, A very cool video to get you ready for the stretch run of the Tony season where hopefully uh, Six doesn't get left out because of the the weirdness of the acting nominations. Yeah, you never know. I haven't seen it. I mean, like, I think that the album drop was a great push i'm you know mm-hmm. i'm i'm constantly watching everybody's like you know tony campaign and um yeah it doesn't seem like 
It, yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm. Everyone is so thrilled by that show that it would be a shame to not honor them in some way. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. I'm curious. I think you know there's an article in at, at Broadway News um, about what we can expect from ticket sales after the Tonys, and they were kind of looking at how things picked up yes. uh, this year after the nominations and all that stuff and how it has continued to kind of follow along. And so I think you and I talked about this last last week when we talked about the grosses. They moved like previous years moved, just at a lower level because obviously people are, aren't still aren't you know traveling and the tourism is down. So you would expect that shows that have good performances at the Tonys and win awards will see some bumps. And whether or not... I mean, I don't think it's going to win Best Musical. It's obviously not going to win any Best Acting Awards. But I would imagine that the performance that Six gives at the Tonys is going to be electric. Yeah. Um, so that will certainly drive some folks to seek out the show and buy some tickets. And I and I hope you eventually get in to see it someday soon, <laughs> Me too. too. <laughs> Me too. I'm excited. One day. Still haven't listened to the cast recording because I want it to be fresh. So I'm still holding out. I know that the one, the, there's a couple songs that go, bap, like, that's it. That's actually uh, the entire score. That right holy there. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm, uh, what can I say? I took some classes. Um, so yeah, I look forward to seeing it live in my face, but I will, I will obviously be watching the Tony Awards. So I guess I will have heard two of them by that point. Who knows? There you go. The, the one that goes, and then whatever they perform, unless they perform the song that goes, yeah, it's kind of like that. That makes sense. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWB. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 